Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Fertility in Focus podcast. I'm your host, Christina Burns. I'm a doctor of natural medicine specializing in the treatment of infertility via natural and integrative methods. I founded the Naturna Institute in New York City, where my team and I work with women and couples, often in collaboration with Western medical doctors, to guide the path to healthy conception. In this podcast, you'll learn all about your body and everything in the fertility landscape to help you realize your dream of baby. I'll be bringing you the best of advice from experts in the fields of both natural and conventional medicine, as well as the heartfelt and very helpful stories of brave fertility heroes on their path to baby. Let's dive into today's episode. Hi, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in. Today, I wanted to tackle a topic that, you know, is affecting a lot of women that I'm seeing clinically, and that is the topic of failed implantation. In this episode, we're going to go through some of the reasons why implantation might not be happening, and then some of the things to think about in terms of moving forward and how you might optimize your chances. Overall, this is an area that I address clinically where I have a ton of success, and I can also have a ton of success in a very short period of time. Issues pertaining to egg quality, on the other hand, can take a little bit more time. And in some cases, the prognosis isn't as good. Um, That said, there still, you know, are remedies for the egg quality issue and embryo quality issue. But the implantation issue is generally easier to address in a shorter period of time. Okay, so failed implantation is essentially when you are not having embryos implant. So your egg is fertilized with the sperm and you produce an embryo. If you're doing IVF, this is all done, you know, outside of your body. So there's a ton of data, um, just to see, you know, how they fertilize. If they're progressing to be good at quality embryos, you can have them tested with PGTA used to be known as PGS testing, um, to, you know, ensure to the best of our abilities with the technology that these are viable embryos. And so I have women come in to see me anywhere from 25 years old to 45 years old to 52 years old, um, you know, that are having failed implantation with good quality tested embryos. So the first thing to address is this can happen obviously in natural setting too. So if you're not doing IVF and you don't have that data, um, you know, this is, it's not that this couldn't be happening to you, but it's just that there's a little bit more mystery when you're trying naturally. Like we don't know necessarily that the egg is being fertilized. Um, we don't know what's happening with the next steps of that, like whether it's an issue with the egg and embryo not progressing or whether it is in fact an implantation issue. When we are quite sure it's an implantation issue is when there are embryos that are good quality they're being transferred that are still not taking. So I've had patients that have come to see me after five, six, seven transfers. So, you know, the, where they put the embryo into the uterus and they were tested viable embryos and it still didn't work. Um, and there was no good reason for it. So that, in my opinion, is like foolproof way to know if it's implantation failure. That said, it could be occurring anyway. And so what I'm going to tell you in this podcast is going to help either with natural um, tries at boosting fertility and boosting the chances of implantation. Um, it's going to help if even your embryos are not tested um, and you're not having implantation. Uh, The only reason why I bring up the part about the tested embryos is because you'll be more sure that it's the implantation issue if they're tested. 
That said, there are there still is a margin for error. The embryos are tested and they're not implanting. It still could be an issue with the embryo. There's just much less likelihood of that being the case um, when they've you know sort of been made it to the blastocyst stage and they've been sent off for testing and they've come back normal and well graded. Okay, so um, when you are not having implantation or when you are having maybe chemical pregnancies, so like a little bit of implantation, but it's not quite sticking or progressing. Um, and also this can, this, uh, the recommendations I'm going to give and the things that I'm going to talk about are relevant for miscarriage and recurrent mi miscarriage also. Um, they all kind of fall into the same category, um, though the emphasis obviously on this podcast is on implantation itself. So some of the things that may affect implantation are related to hormones, are related to your immune system, blood circulation, nutrient deficiencies. Um, so I'm going to start with a topic that I believe to be the most pertinent in terms of affecting probably the most amount of people, and that is um, whether you, or not you have insulin resistance. Um, so insulin resistance is common in women with PCOS, but it is seen in many other cases too, and it is aggravated by um, inflammation and stress in the body. So it's not just if you have PCOS and you're overweight that you are insulin resistant, though that is an easier way to diagnose it. It can be also relevant for women that are thin um, and don't have issues with their weight. And, and it can be completely silent and hard to address because a lot of the time doctors are testing just the hemoglobin A1C, which is one marker for how we find out if there was an issue with insulin resistance. Um, but oftentimes fasting glucose or simply pricking your finger at home are more effective ways to figure out whether you might have insulin resistance. And insulin resistance is essentially when you ingest carbohydrates or sugars and your cells don't respond in the way that they should. So generally like insulin levels should go up when you ingest these things and then your cells open, take in the sugar as energy and use the energy. Somebody with insulin resistant, their cells are resistant to the effects of the insulin. And so the sugar just kind of like accumulates in their blood causing inflammation and other havoc and also insulin levels keep going higher because your cells are not responding to them and the insulin levels being high themselves are toxic to pregnancy efforts meaning that it would block implantation it would cause miscarriage and it also affects egg quality and other aspects there's so much to say on this topic but suffice to say that insulin resistance is something that responds incredibly well to lifestyle if you are eating a low glycemic diet meaning like not too heavy on carbs, you're not eating a very inflammatory diet, you're moving your body, making sure to exercise, regulating stress, then insulin resistance won't have as much of a grip on you. There are supplements to take also that are helpful for this. But again, that's sort of like a topic of its own. So we'll get into some more recommendations on supplements and nutrition in general for implantation failure near the end of the episode. Another thing that we need to think about is toxicity in the body. So if there is an excess of heavy metals like mercury, for example, or even household toxins, or we've been exposed to molds or something, then that can trigger an immune or stress response in the body that would make it so that it would not be very receptive to implantation and holding a pregnancy. So toxins can definitely be a culprit in blocking implantation or causing miscarriage. And so, you know, my recommendation for that is really just to sort of do an inventory of the things you're exposed to. Um, you know, what are you putting on your face? What cleaning products are you using? You know, do you have an air purifier? Are you drinking tap water? These kind of things. Um, I did an episode on toxins. 
difference. And so you might want to listen to that one, but um, toxicity in the body can definitely be a culprit. And because it flares up an immune response, that's one of the reasons why it is a big culprit. So eating organic obviously is another recommendation there. We will get right back to today's episode in just a sec, but I didn't want to miss the opportunity to tell you about an exciting new project that I have underway. So here it is. I get a lot of questions about what to eat and avoid when trying to get pregnant. Since so many of you are interested in optimizing your fertility via nutrition, I've created a very special course that teaches you the ins and outs of just that. It hasn't launched yet, but keep your eyes and ears peeled from my course on fertility nutrition. Whether you are already undergoing IVF or just trying the old-fashioned way, my goal is to help give you all the nutritional tools you need to enhance your fertility and speed your path to baby. All right, let's jump back in. There's a ton of talk around failed implantation and immunology. So a lot of people are going to see reproductive immunologists to get immune suppressant drugs such as prednisone, um, IVIG, intralipids um, to control anything from natural killer cells to IgG, which is a marker of inflammation. So basically there are different things that can come up in a blood test that can indicate that potentially there's an immunological issue there. It is a very controversial issue amongst um, reproductive uh, endocrinologists and so your fertility specialists, essentially. Most are against the immunotherapy type of treatment just because it's very heavy on medications that may not be healthy for pregnancy. Most OBGYNs don't like it either, but you know, some people say that they wouldn't have had a baby without it. So it's really hard to say whether this is something that you should pursue or not. What I have found clinically is that the patients that have been able to really modify their lifestyle, control stress, get rid of toxins in their body, um, reduce inflammation, eat a clean diet, haven't really had as much of an issue with the immune-related implantation issues. So I believe that for a lot of cases, it can be controlled with lifestyle. That's something to keep in mind. Acupuncture is super helpful too because it controls inflammatory responses and balances the body. Um, so for the immunological type infertility where we're looking at if that's the cause of failed implantation, sure. Um, there, th- I think that there are aspects of it that are relevant, um, but the treatment for it is generally pretty intense, pretty heavy handed. I say, say throw the kitchen sink in terms of um, the amount of medications that will be going into you. And the truth of the matter is, is that for some women, implantation isn't working because they're already too affected by the medications that they're on, um, meaning that they're becoming um, toxic or inflamed from the medications that they're on, and that's why um, maybe they're not having implantation, and maybe for them, less is more. Um, so, you know, it's not that I am against consulting somebody who specializes in the immunological aspect of this, but my um, suggestion is to first address your lifestyle before going down that route, uh, because I think that a lot of it can, can be controlled with what you're doing on a day-to-day. Another kind of area of inflammation that can cause uh, issues is when the inflammation is in the uterine lining. So it's something called endometritis that can be, there can be a biopsy done on your uterine lining. And this is quite commonly done now when women are having failed implantation and something can come back. And a lot of the time it has to do with bacteria and yeast levels in the body. So, you know, I've seen numerous women 
get this result and then go through several courses of antibiotics and potentially antifungals added to that to try to get rid of the bacteria. Now, interestingly enough, they'll go through this protocol, the bacterial will be eliminated that was supposedly causing the endometritis, the inflammation of the uterine lining, and then their, their next transfer will still fail. <laughs> and so the reason for that, in my opinion, is that the antibiotics are only taking care of one part of the picture. Um, so they are reducing, the, or sorry, they are eliminating the bad bacteria, but they're also eliminating the good bacteria. And there has been uh, research to show that having the proper bacteria populating your reproductive system um, it for an for an IVF transfer has actually increased the likelihood of success. So if you think about it that way, if you eliminate the good bacteria um, along with the bad bacteria, you're also eliminating um, something that might be assisting the implantation. So generally, I like to use very specific strains of probiotics at specific strengths if there is a case of endometritis, and especially if there if there's been use of antibiotics. But again, I come back to nutrition and diet here because there's something that's making the bacteria grow in ways that aren't healthy. Um, so I did a, a gut fertility episode, you know, sort of on gut health and the microbiome and it's very relevant for implantation. We really have to think about the things we're eating and if they're feeding yeasts and bacteria in our body. So if you have a high sugar diet, for example, or just a super high acid diet, um, that is going to be breeding the bacteria. I have patients sometimes do um, pH strips um, to check the acidity in their body. I'll have them check their blood sugar at home with a finger prick test to see if they have extra sugars sitting around in their body that the yeast could be feeding on or the bacteria could be feeding on. So there are things that you can do at home to kind of check on these things. Also your tongue coating, if you have a thick tongue coating, it's indicative of having extra yeast and bacteria in your body. So, you know, the bacteria yeast balance basically in your reproductive system is very relevant for the amount of inflammation that you have in your system and also very relevant for how likely it is for you to have a healthy implantation. There is another topic that is, you know, less related to inflammation and more related to your body's ability to like nourish and receive a pregnancy. And that is the nutrition, basically the nutrient deficiencies. And sometimes you could actually be eating a very clean diet, but for some reason, um, your body isn't taking the nutrition and that can be related to potentially excess stress in the body. So in the mind where you're not digesting properly because you're not going into rest and digest mode because you're always wired on stress. And so you're eating the cleanest stuff, but you're not actually digesting it properly and then not absorbing it. There could be parasites or a previous bacterial imbalance that caused issues with your the integrity of your gut lining. So you don't absorb that well, you could have inflammatory bowel disease. Um, so there are a lot of things that could lead to nutrient deficiencies. So some of them are related to inflammation and some are related more to the stress aspect. And then some are related to just if you're not eating that well. <laughs> you know, one of the most common things I see in implantation failure is um, markers of iron deficiency. And sometimes it's not really clear on a blood test. Like you could be with a normal range, but low end of normal on your ferritin and hemoglobin and what have you. Um, I see this commonly in vegetarians for obvious reasons because a lot of the, you know, high iron foods are animal foods. You know, when you're lower on your iron, you're not going to have um, enough oxygen and sort of resources to be carried in your blood to nourish this pregnancy. And the body also tends to be colder when you're anemic. 
And so um, when we're looking at implantation, we're looking at fostering a warmer body, um, a warmer uterus, warmer circulation. So uh, my recommendation in this area um, is making sure that you know you're trying to eat when you're not under stress, that you're eating nutritious foods, easy to digest foods, you're getting a varied diet. Um, and I go into this in, in the course that I've created too to make sure that you are getting um, the proper nutrition because as much as I believe in supplementation for fertility, I don't believe that supplements replace a good diet. I really think that um, to optimize your health, it, it's both. Um, and to optimize your fertility quickly, it's definitely several pieces of the pie. Managing your stress and eating a healthy diet, eating a clean diet, um, getting ample rest, uh, drinking enough fluids. So it's a lot of little things that are playing into your ability to conceive. Um, other nutrient deficiencies are vitamin D. So low vitamin D, I said in another episode, is correlated with low fertility, um, low implantation. Um, and so, so this is something that we can get from certain foods and from being outside. But I also recommend if you have had implantation failure that this is something you would be supplementing to. Another nutritional profile that we have to look at is just basically um, a variety of micronutrients. It was shown in studies that a multivitamin such as a prenatal would increase the likelihood of becoming pregnant um, simply because it's filling in the gaps. Basically, it is providing a plethora of minor nutrients for the body that to help it function properly and to help this growing life get, get what it needs. And again, I would really like if we could do all of this with food, <laughs> uh, but you know, there is the influence of stress on our digestion. There's the influence of inflammation and our exposure to toxins. There's also the influence of our food traveling from faraway places and maybe not being as nutrient dense as it could be if we were growing it in our own backyard. I, I do recommend combining these supplements with a healthy diet. Uh, hormone imbalance. Uh, I hadn't really addressed this very much, I did talk about insulin resistance, which insulin is a hormone and that does play into things, but common hormonal imbalances that could lead to issues with implantation are um, low progesterone, though if you're undergoing an IVF cycle, they're usually being supplemented with progesterone, so that's not as much of an issue. Um, thyroid problems, um, anything from an autoimmune thyroid problem like Hashimoto's or an underactive thyroid or even an overactive thyroid can be an issue. Uh, high estrogen levels are definitely an issue because they cause more inflammation in the body, and that can be a byproduct of medications. It could be if you have an estrogen dominant condition like fibroids or endometriosis. With the high estrogen and with the thyroid, um, we're really looking at making sure that your body's eliminating properly. So your liver's working properly, you're eliminating well through your bowels. And with the low progesterone, if you weren't in an IVF cycle and weren't being supplemented with it, then we have to look at stress levels because stress level, high stress will deplete progesterone. Uh, and then we're also having to look at how strong your ovulation is to begin with because if you have a weak ovulation, it, meaning that you didn't produce a good egg, then you probably won't produce great progesterone either. Uh, so those are a couple of the things that can affect progesterone levels. Uh, last but not least, I've alluded to this quite a bit, but stress, stress will affect implantation. Stress suppresses the circulation in our reproductive system, and it promotes a, a whole bunch of internal chaos. So it, nobody going through fertility treatment likes to be told to relax or not stress because that just feels more stressful. So what I will offer is to say I recommend that you try acupuncture, you meditate, uh, you do gentle yoga, you take walks, unload things that you do not need to be giving your attention to. Um, you try to basically detox your life of stress as much as possible. And then know that, you know, 
uh, some stress is just normal. Like that's just the modern day we live in. But if you can reduce the busyness of your mind by maybe unplugging in terms of technology, um, not overtaking stimulants like caffeine and sugar, then, then you will feel in a better place emotionally. Changing your diet and addressing um, some of the peripheral aspects of your lifestyle will greatly change the state of your nervous system and enhance your ability to have implantation. But when we're looking at this kind of very varied picture of the things that can affect um, implantation, um, you clearly understand that there is there would be specific recommendations for um, different people based on what they have going on with them. But to help you in this episode have some direction as to what to do if you don't know what the underlying cause is and if it doesn't make sense for you to make maybe do a consultation to try to figure out you know what's underlying your issue with implantation failure, um, my suggestion is to eat a low acid diet, eat a low inflammatory diet, eat a plant-based diet mostly, but get some animal foods in there, a little bit of fish, um, a little bit of lamb, dark meat of chicken, so that you're having those like high iron, high B12 type foods. If you're vegetarian, then I would recommend getting some nutrient dense herbs. And that would be a prescription from an Ayurvedic doctor or from a Chinese medicine doctor. And in some cases, a prescription from a, a Western herbal doctor is okay also, like from a naturopath. Um, my preference, just because uh, my training is in Eastern medicine, that that is just incredibly helpful for tricky cases of failed implantation. So Chinese herbs are really great provided that they're not toxic and that they're catered specifically to you. Uh, I do not suggest that you self-prescribe. In fact, in general for supplements and herbs and things, I, I don't much suggest that you self-prescribe because it really is most effective when you get something catered to you. So you're making sure you get the right stuff. Supplements wise, I mean, this can run the gamut because it might be, you know, things for your uterine lining, like vitamin E and L-arginine and um, you know, omega-3, uh, and it could be uh, things for reducing inflammation, like omega-3 and vitamin D. <laughs> it could be things for balancing insulin, like myo-inositol and NAC and vitamin D. It could be um, just regulating the, the correct bacteria balance in your reproductive system, like with probiotics. So there's so much at play there, but I wanted to throw a few out there so that you, you know, can think about, you know, what you're already doing and, you know, whether maybe you're overtaking things or maybe whether you really need to have a discussion with somebody to get this nailed down. Of course, at my center in New York, we do virtuals and in person to help you figure this out. But I understand that potentially you have somebody locally that you're already working with. And so these could be used as uh, talking points for you or with your uh, medical provider, such as with your fertility doctor. Know that um, a lot of fertility doctors are not um, interested in supplementation, whereas some are very open. Um, so just take it with a grain of salt if they aren't very open to it. And, you know, you can always uh, address that with somebody who is trained in that area. But above all, nutrition and lifestyle uh, are really, really important for this. Supplements aside, even though I do find them very effective, address the pieces of the pie that you know are out of balance uh, and you know do those simple things to clean up your diet and lifestyle, manage your stress uh, to help you on this journey. One quick side note is I keep getting asked about the vaccine, um, the COVID vaccine and whether people should be doing that right before a transfer or their egg retrieval. I am not against vaccines at all. I think that, you know, this is providing hope for a lot of people on the, you know, in this current state of affairs in our world. I will say uh, I don't love the idea of you doing a vaccine and then 
going in and doing a transfer right away because what I've seen in terms of the reactions are uh, like sometimes a fever, sometimes just signs of low-grade inflammation, fatigue. And really what it comes down to is you're not at your optimal. It's the same thing that I would say if, you know, if you were having the flu and wanted to do your transfer egg retrieval, I'd be like, eh, maybe sit this one out. So my recommendation is to just, you know, not do everything at once. And if you're pursuing your vaccine one cycle, maybe wait for the next cycle so that it's, so you can be sure that you were in a state that was more harmonious within your body and just take care of yourself. And I know that, you know, we always feel like we need to be rushing in this and just get to the next step. But if you have done retrievals and you have precious embryos, um, you definitely want to be optimizing yourself before you dive into that. Look out for my nutrition course because this will all be addressed in that and that will be coming out soon. If you need to order supplements, uh, then you can always reach out to us for access to our partner online pharmacies so that at least you can be getting quality stuff that was stored properly at the right temperatures, you know, and that you can make sure that would be actually effective. I, again, I do not recommend that you self-prescribe, but if you already have a program going, at least make sure that your sources and your brands are the good ones. And as always, feel free to DM or write uh, info at naternalife.com with podcast topic requests. I am always happy to address them and would love your input. Take care and talk to you next time. I'm really happy you've tuned in and joined the community, and I'm so excited to bring you more helpful content with each episode. In order to make this podcast as helpful as possible, I want to hear your input on what questions you need answered to get you feeling empowered on your fertility journey. You can DM me on Instagram at at Naturna underscore life or at naturally CB to share your most important fertility related questions. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please follow and share with friends. My mission is to help as many women and couples as possible. And for that, I need your help. Yours as always in love and light, Dr. Christina.